Tuesday, April the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, more uproar in Minnesota and further discipline for Jack Ma. First, the world in brief. Police used tear gas to disperse protests that erupted after an officer shot and killed a black man, Dante Wright, in Brooklyn Center, a suburb of Minneapolis. A curfew was also imposed. Body cam footage from the incident was released. The town's police chief said the officer appeared to fire her gun accidentally, mistaking it for her taser. National Guard troops were also dispatched. They are already deployed in Minneapolis proper for the trial of Derek Chauvin, another police officer accused of killing a black man, George Floyd. China's central bank directed Ant Group to restructure, imposing more regulatory control, stricter capital requirements, and forcing it to separate its payment app from its other services. The fintech giant, founded by Jack Ma, had hoped to list for a record $37 billion last November. A few days ago, Chinese antitrust regulators imposed a record 18 billion yuan, $2.8 billion fine on Alibaba, also founded by Mr. Ma. Microsoft agreed to buy Nuance Communications for $19.7 billion. The software giant hopes that acquiring the speech recognition firm will help expand the range of services it can offer, particularly to its business customers. It is the latest in a series of big takeovers, including of Semantic Machines, a startup building conversational artificial intelligence products designed to widen Microsoft's expertise. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, commissioned an independent inquiry into Greensill Capital's efforts to lobby the government, including those made by David Cameron. The former Prime Minister has come under scrutiny for sending text messages to ministers on behalf of the collapsed finance company. On Sunday, Mr Cameron, who denies breaking any lobbying rules, accepted that communication with ministers should be through, quote, formal channels. America's budget deficit for the first six months of the year hit a record $1.7 trillion, according to a Treasury report released on Monday. The six-month total more than doubled the $744 billion deficit for the same period last year. That didn't come as a shock. The federal government shelled out $339 billion for a third round of COVID-19 stimulus checks in March alone. Japan said it plans to release more than 1 million tonnes of contaminated water from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant into the ocean. The process of releasing the water is set to begin in two years and will take decades to complete. While the decision was expected, storage space for the water is running out, it was opposed by Japanese fishing crews, farmers and nearby countries such as South Korea. And India set a frightful world record, counting 168,000 new COVID-19 cases yesterday. Now only America has logged more cumulative infections. Maharashtra, the state including Mumbai, was warned to prepare for a two-week lockdown. Nevertheless, Hindu pilgrims plunged ahead with a triennial festival in the northern city of Haridwar. Two million thronged there for a ritual bathing near the source of the Ganges. And now, here's today's agenda. Price pop, inflation and the Fed. 
Today's release of America's Consumer Price Index for March will probably mark the start of a temporary surge in inflation. Economists expect year-over-year growth in prices to rise from 1.7% to 2.5% as prices subdued by the pandemic a year ago enter the comparison. The Federal Reserve expects higher inflation on its preferred measure, which differs from CPI, to persist for a few months, then subside. In any case, monetary policymakers want inflation to overshoot their 2% target. It is part of their new average inflation targeting regime, which calls for the Fed to make up for past shortfalls. But it is not entirely clear how far they want to overshoot. The sag in inflation during the pandemic was concentrated in the spring of 2020, but the regime only started in the autumn. As it gets closer to tightening monetary policy, the Fed will have to be more specific about what its target is. Reactive Rivalry – Iran and Israel First, a mysterious explosion. Then a power failure. Now the Natanz nuclear facility will probably be out of action for months. It is apt that Sunday's events seem like a spy novel. They were probably part of an Israeli operation against Iran's nuclear program. Last week, Israel attacked an Iranian spy ship in the Red Sea. Such actions are not new, but their increased tempo and the willingness of senior Israeli sources to give anonymous media briefings about them reveals Benjamin Netanyahu's anxieties. Israel's Prime Minister has been unnerved by Joe Biden's efforts to revive the Iran nuclear deal, indirect talks between the White House and Iran could begin this week, and by growing pressure at home. His trial for bribery and fraud is resuming, and after disappointing election results three weeks ago, he has been unable to cobble together a governing coalition. Perhaps he hopes increased tension with Iran will convince recalcitrant political allies to join a new government under him. The gloves come off, Germany's next chancellor. The race to succeed Angela Merkel as Germany's chancellor has suddenly heated up. Mrs. Merkel's centre-right Christian Democratic Union and its sister party in Bavaria, the Christian Social Union, must choose a joint candidate to lead them into September's general election. The leaders of both parties want the job, and yesterday each won the backing of their respective parties' executive committees. Armin Laschet, the CDU's chair, has the stronger claim as leader of the larger party, but Markus Söder, his CSU counterpart, is a better communicator and far outshines his rival in national polls. Despite promising to seek the job only if the CDU asked, Mr Söder is refusing to stand down, instead urging a broader discussion between the parties. The CDU-CSU has lately tumbled in opinion polls as Germany has struggled with a third wave of COVID-19. Now may not be the best time for a family row. Brussels, we have a problem. Northern Ireland and Brexit. Loyalist parts of Northern Ireland, mostly working-class areas that stridently support the union with Great Britain, have been troubled by rioting for much of the past fortnight. The discontent defies simple explanation, but a central complaint is the Irish Sea border. Erected in January, the customs and regulatory line detaches Northern Ireland from Great Britain, both symbolically and economically. It is viewed as the price Northern Ireland pays for the Brexit that Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, wanted. 
The rioting, which has reduced since Prince Philip died, has been much publicised, but is unlikely to end the checks and bureaucracy. Instead, the European Union and the United Kingdom are reportedly getting closer to agreement on how to operate the border. Compromise could reduce the frontier's intrusiveness, which will be enough for many people, but it will not satisfy the many unionists who are fundamentally opposed to any border whatsoever. Cheap and Cheerful, a new COVID-19 drug A clinical trial in Britain found that budesonide, a steroid widely used for asthma, can speed recovery from COVID-19 and may lower hospital admission rates. The trial looked at 1,800 people 65 or over and people 50 or over with underlying health problems who were being treated at home. Of these, 751 were prescribed a palm-sized inhaler with budesonide. The study found that 32% of those in the budesonide group recovered within 14 days, compared with 22% of the rest. On average, the drug reduced recovery time by three days. After 28 days, preliminary data show that 8.5% of those using budesonide were admitted to hospital, compared with 10.3% of the control group, though the difference is not statistically significant. It is not only effective, but cheap. The steroid is widely available globally, and an inhaler costs Britain's National Health Service just £14, $19. Those nursing COVID-19 at home can breathe a little easier. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Samuel Beckett, who was born on this day in 1906. We are all born mad. Some remain so. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.